how much are y'all around the assistant coaches, Mike D, throughout their time in New Orleans with the Saints? A lot during the summer. You know, because of the fact that, you know, going to practice daily, you, you're around them and you have access to them. So you, we, we knew Dan, you know, and Bobby knew Dan. And so, and he would hear us, you know, daily. And he would just laugh that, you, you know, you guys are like, you know, um, I'm going to soften it up, Cajun stereo. <laughs> <laughs> he had another term for it, but I'll, I'll just say Cajun stereo was how he would put it. And, and he he was like, man, I, I, it's hard to turn off. Listen, it's it's really good. But, you know, you know, he. He, he had some terms for it, uh, and he was he was funny about it. And then some coaches they don't they don't listen to anything, you sure. know. Uh, they might watch a little TV and that sort of thing. And so when you talk to them, they know who you are, but uh, you have access. And then you know, you know, like with Zach, Zach was a player, then he became media, then he became coach, and so you know he knew us as media as a player and then we worked with him (laughs) and so it was a connection uh bobby's roommate for a couple years was uh doug marone ah okay and so you know that was the connection he would tell me the story about man one time i asked bobby to help me trying to get a car and he was like bob i'm not asking you to pay for it just ask me to hook me up with somebody that'll at least make me a good deal. I said, "Oh, you got it." He said, "No, I'm still waiting." You know, it was it was Doug being <laughs> Doug and kind of putting the dig to a bear. So um, we all had connections. Then Coach O, when he was there for for a short time uh, with the Saints, you know, because we all kind of grew up together, we're similar ages. Uh, we have you know probably a year so apart between us but so that there's a lot of different connections but we had a lot of access to those type guys uh each and every day especially during the summer during the practice sessions where they take you and you know you you can ask for an assistant coach to uh to interview curtis johnson yeah uh, was with the saints for a long time Tulane uh was a Tulane coach and and then now and i think he's in the uh the xfl or usfl um, Curtis grew up probably 20 minutes from me. Wow. Curtis was a great track athlete. Him and his brother, really great track athletes. And so, um, uh, Curtis, Curtis coached all over and then he coached with Sean at San Diego state, but he coached for a long time at Miami of Florida. Um, and, um, so, uh, similar sign of kind of connected dots as, as coach O did. Because Coach O was there for a while. Hmm. Mike D, WWL Radio TV, New Orleans. He joins us on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. Okay, so Mike, I just put some of this together. Um, Dan Campbell um, was drafted out of Texas A&M, and he played at the Cowboys from 03 to 05 while Sean was an assistant under Bill Parcells. I have that right. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Right. Correct. Okay. Okay. And then... He kind of goes around, and then Sean brings him back in 2016, and then he goes from you know that. It's kind of rare, Mike, right? I mean, to 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 be an assistant head coach and tight ends coach and get a head coaching job. 
Um, well, he was the interim coach with the Dolphins also. Right, but, I mean, and he, you know, he won a few games, and it wasn't a t- – I think he went five and seven, so it wasn't a bad stretch considering, I guess, the circumstances. But, but you usually – not all the time – I mean, Harbaugh was a special teams coordinator for the Eagles before getting the Ravens gig, but you're usually an OC or DC, right, Mike? So that's a little bit different path that that Campbell was able to go from assistant head coach, tight ends coach to the head coach, and it's worked. Yeah, and uh, I look at uh, Antonio Pierce uh, with the Raiders. That's right, and he he was never a coordinator, former player, uh, and but I, I think. It's too much sometimes overblown with that. And there's different ways to skin the cat here. Sure. Uh, we look at it and, and how you pick in a head coach. For the Lions, they needed a leader. They needed someone that could bring some leadership and structure to their organization. And I thought the best hire with Dan was he brought in Ben Johnson to run his offense. Look at Ben Johnson's career. Uh, what on that resume tells you he's going to be that type play caller? None. Uh, the first time I heard about Coach Johnson was Pete Jenkins. Pete was uh, working with the Dolphins' defensive line in front seven. And he told me, we've got a young kid out here. He said, Mike, he's pretty damn good. I said, what is he coach? He said, well, he's sort of a junior assistant. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Um uh, and he told me about Johnson. He said, man, he's real sharp, real sharp guy. But he said, you know, uh, uh, just because Pete was one that would always tell you about a coach before he became the guy. Uh, he he would tell you about that, that type of individual. And uh, he brought up Johnson to me. And, you know, he was uh, just a, an assistant coach with the Dolphins and becomes the coordinator of offense. And, man, did he make it work. And he's close to getting the commander's job. I think he's going to be the new head coach of the Washington Commanders. Man, there's different ways to do it. Uh, A lot of different ways to to get that job. And so I think it's what you're looking for. Uh, Not everybody's going to have Jim Harbaugh's resume. Right. (laughs) That's easy uh, when when you got that type resume. But it's to find a guy like Dan Campbell. And, and how he's made it work. And a lot of people sort of laughed at the press conference initially of, you know, biting the kneecaps and, and all this other stuff. But if you knew Dan, that was not a real shocker because he, he would say sometimes sort of outrageous things. And, um, <laughs> and he'd back it up. But you knew one thing. He was a tough guy and he was a leader and he would bring – some toughness and structure to that organization mm-hmm. and give Brad Holmes a lot of credit. He got him the type players he, he was looking for. Right. Now was to add on to it, not having the high picks because that becomes the second kind of prong in all this. When you're picking up at the top of the draft, you sort of have a good feeling for those players early. It's when you start picking later, because uh, at doing this for 37 years, you're probably in, in a draft class averaging 21 to 22 real first-round pick grades. It's what happens after that. 
because from probably 23 to 45, the grade difference is minimal. And who fits what you're doing? When they picked Jameer Gibbs, a lot of people, oh, they picked him too high. Right. Uh, Jack Campbell, uh, they picked him too high. Uh, Sam Laporta, oh, he didn't do that much at Iowa. Now, Brian Branch was a different story. I was surprised because I had Brian at 27. And he had a second-round pick grade, but I thought he'd go in round one. Brian played all over the board at Alabama and was really good. How he lasted to the second round, I still shake my head. And Laporta, for me, was 32 in a very deep tight end class last year. Ooh, he's that good. we may never see again. May, may never see that type tight end class again. So Dan picked him where he thought they were his type players and that they could make an immediate impact. You look at Campbell, Gibbs, Laporta, Branch, bang, it's Grand Slam home runs all across the board with those top four picks. Now you pick in much later. So that is a little different than when you're picking eighth or tenth or thirteenth. It's a different selection group because I think that um, the class expands where there's not much difference grade-wise. Hmm. Laporta can ball. You know, yes, he, he was a really good player, and uh, he worked out with a friend of mine, and I, I, I got to see it for two days. And I'm wondering, <clears throat> why didn't Iowa throw him the football more? You know, well, they don't believe in first downs or scoring points. Dynamic. Yeah, I mean. Uh, I mean, my thing is, hey, uh, just get him the football. But he was so nifty for a big man. And, and that's what jumped out at me. His ability, when he was in the open field, to find a crease, find an opening, but he was so nifty after the catch. And when you up right up right next to him, he is a big guy, and yet he is really quick and sudden out into the open field. Yeah. All four of those tight ends, Mike, Sunday. Just on. Believable, and um, I you know there. Don't you think we have the? I mean, all four are amazing, and there's others in the league that are really, really good. But Kelsey and Kittle, I mean, these are these are the two best. And you see, Laporta brought broke every rookie record, you know, ever for a. He's amazing. Uh, so you saw that, and and Andrews got hurt. Uh, during the season, but you look at his replacement, and Isaiah Lively is—he's a wide receiver playing tight end. Uh, but man, can he catch the football? He—he's a good player. But but Mark's one of the top guys. He will never test out well, and it's why he lasted as long as he did on draft day. And I knew it uh, when I saw him do all these individual workouts. That wasn't for him. Just get him on the field. And he makes plays. He's a lot faster with pads and a helmet on. They got guys today that get picked, and I shake my head. They're great athletes. They can't play football. Uh, But they can do all this Olympic stuff, which sort of throws you all kind of eye candy. 
that you say, man, if I'm a coach and I hadn't really seen a ton of film on them when they're playing, you say, okay, uh, that guy's really good. You get him out on the field, he can't play worth a lick. Mark Andrews is a guy that can play at the highest level, and he's so good um, getting into and out of a cut and a break. Yeah. Can't, you can't see that in an individual drill. That That's something that's just innate about him. And I think, you know, Campbell, he would talk about this a lot when, like, we would do the interviews and he would come on Sean's show as a guest or whatever. And he would talk about this, uh, always looking for that special trait from a player on what he could do. I'm looking for that special trait that that makes him a football player. And he would say baller. I, I want that baller. I want that baller. I, I, he said, I don't care about all this, you know, if he can run a 4-5, 40-yard dash or he's got a 40-inch vertical jump or whatever. His deal is I just want him – I, I want to watch him play. He's right. He's absolutely right. And what he said in the locker room after the game, hit it. We may never walk down this aisle again. It's going to be much tougher. Because you were now hunting teams down, not a hunting you. Right. That's right. A different mindset. Mike Dettelier, fantastic today. Thanks, Mike D. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Love it. WWL Radio TV New Orleans. Brought to you by Sound and Communications. Do you need a video wall? For your business or company. Soundcomav.com. Do you need a sound system or upgraded sound system for your junior college football field, high school, college, gymnasium, baseball field? Powered by Soundcomav.com. Justin Parker, Mississippi State pitching coach at 930.